Bibles with you this morning. You want to turn there, we're going to be taking some scripture out of the gospel according to Luke in chapter 1. And uh, I know many times, and, and you know, I, I wouldn't really say that my inspiration for this particular uh, message really comes from the fact that it's December and close to Christmas or anything like that, but uh, uh, that isn't lost on me as well. But we're going to start reading uh, at about verse uh, 10 in uh, Luke chapter 1. And, uh, you know, I want you to, to notice that uh, a lot of times when, when we pray and when we've been praying and when we've spent so much time uh, seeking the Lord that a lot of times it's as though we, we discount what God can do in our lives. And uh, this particular instance, uh, we, we learn of a man, Zacharias, who was John the Baptist's father. And, uh, you know, one of, one of the big questions that, that, that strangely enough comes up, uh, seems like somewhat frequently in my life anymore, is people begin to question the truth in the Bible. Uh, and, you know, kind of what, what it makes me think of is there several times in my youth I would be talking to my dad and telling him, you know, some kind of uh, a tale or story or something like that. And he'd hear me out the entire time, wouldn't interrupt me, uh, listen patiently the entire time. And sometimes in jest and sometimes seriously, he'd look at me and say, you expect me to believe that? And uh, I think that's, though, a lot of the way that people approach the, the gospel now is that they, they hear you out, they listen to it, and then they say, and you expect me to believe that. And the truth is, is that yes, yes, we do expect people to believe that because it's true. And uh, here in the gospel, according to Luke, and, and you know, I've had, uh, had a recent discussion with a friend about this, uh, my newly saved friend. And we were talking about this and he had read uh, the first couple of verses. And of course, his big question was, who is Theophilus? Because it mentions him, Luke essentially wrote this, this, this accounting, as a letter to a gentleman by the name of Theophilus. And, and I told him, and I think it kind of surprised him, I said, I have no idea. And, uh, you know, I, I think he might fancy me as a theologian. And there, there are probably theologians out there that could make uh, a, a guess or come up with something. I'm not one of them. Uh, but I can tell you this, I'm glad that Luke decided to write this letter uh, because it's a very thorough accounting of uh, the, the birth and the ministry of Jesus Christ and, of course, his death, burial, and resurrection. And uh, so we're going to start reading at verse 10 in Luke chapter 1. And it says, And the whole multitude of people were praying without at the time of incense. Now, in order to understand what exactly is going on, is Zacharias is a priest. Uh, he is a member of the priesthood, and uh, I hadn't known this for a long time, but this was quite an honor to be able to go into the temple and to burn incense. This wasn't a, a small thing. And a lot of times the priesthood, there were so many of them that, uh, you know, a lot of times it was just maybe one guy held the door and that was all you got to do. And that might be your entire career of the priesthood. That was all you got to do. And so Zacharias, it says that a lot fell on him and he was able to go in and to burn the incense. And that everybody else was out praying 
And really, you know, just seeking the Lord while that he was doing this. And something incredible happens while that he's in there. You'll notice it says in verse 11, And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. Now, I can tell you this, uh, uh, that I've noticed and I, and I hope that I'm not the only one that's noticed. Every time that somebody encounters an angel, whether it's in the New Testament or the Old Testament, the first thing the angel says is, don't freak out. Okay, Fear not. You see that often, angels, you know, because I imagine they're quite the sight to see. Uh, and, and of course, we have our popular culture references to them or anything like that. But they come with the glory of the Most High God. And I imagine that uh, earthly eyes can barely comprehend that. Uh, uh, that when the angel stood before Zacharias, uh, he thought, oh no, uh, what's going to happen? Because a lot of times men would go into this area uh, and they wouldn't leave alive uh, if they weren't pure, uh, if they weren't sanctified. And so the angel of the Lord came there and it was just Zacharias and the angel of the Lord. And then he shows up and the first words that he says to him, it says in verse 13, but the angel said unto him, fear not Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. Now you imagine the things running through Zacharias's mind. I recently was in a head-on collision, and I can imagine that uh, it, you know that the, the side of this angel probably hit him about like that. Whoa, what's what's going on? And trying to process, uh, and this angel calls him by name. Uh, and I tell you that right there in that scripture, you should know uh, uh, that God knows you personally. Uh, he hears your personal prayer. Uh, uh, that He hears uh, uh, your cry. He knows your name. Uh, that should be a comfort to every one of us. Uh, uh, that God knows our name and the angel comes to Zacharias addresses him by name and tells him your prayer has been heard now maybe Zacharias was thinking well which one but before he's able to think too much on that the angel of the Lord goes on and says and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And I love just the, the finality of that, that he tells him, this is what's going to happen, and this is what you're going to name the kid. Uh, you know, a lot of times when somebody finds out they're pregnant, uh, uh, they'll give it some time before they tell anybody, just in case, because it might not be sure or certain. Uh, uh, and then they'll pick out a name later on. Uh, but the angel of the Lord said, by the way, you're going to have a kid, and here's what you're going to name him. And Zacharias, maybe, maybe he finds himself looking over either shoulder. Is there another Zacharias here? Is, is, is there somebody? Are you talking specifically to me? And he, and he tells him very plainly. It says uh, in verse uh, 14, And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. Uh, saying that this is not just uh, 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 another baby being born into the world. Uh, and I'll tell you this, Jesus himself said, uh, John the Baptist said of men born of women, uh, there's none greater uh, that he was going to become a forerunner. Uh, uh, but all of this came about because a man uh, was devoted to the Lord uh, uh, prayed continually and what he'd apparently been asking for was a son and God heard his prayer 
And Zacharias went in because if you read everything prior to that, you'll find that Zacharias and Elizabeth were well thought of. They were good people. Uh, a, a word I've heard often used uh, describing them is they were pious. They were very religious. They were the type of people uh, uh, that, as we would say, would give you the shirt off of their back. They were devoted. They were devout. They were at church uh, every Sunday. They did all these things. And yet they were found without child. But you see, a lot of times when we pray, you'll notice there's three ways that prayers get answered. Yes. No. And wait a while. And as a person who's done a reasonable amount of prayer in my life, I can tell you that a lot of times we take wait a while as no. But that doesn't mean to quit asking. And Jesus said, Jesus Himself said, men ought always to pray. Not just to pray occasionally, but to always pray. And to seek the face of God. And this is what Zacharias is doing. Uh, and yet it says now uh, uh, that uh, when all of this began to happen, uh, uh, that Zacharias was just astonished. Because of all the things. I mean, the angel of the Lord shows up. First he says, you're going to have a kid. Next he says, you're going to name him John. And then he says, and here's the type of guy he's going to be. That's a lot to process in just a short amount of time. I know that when my children were born, especially my uh, first, that you know I had these lofty notions and ideas and everything, uh, uh, and, and that time and, and, and laziness a lot of times will take them away. But this kid's future seems to already be planned out. That God has a plan. But here's the thing. God has a plan for each one of you as well. And if you don't believe that, you need to study the Scriptures because God knew you before you were formed in the womb. And God has a purpose. But here's the real rub. The whole situation is you have a choice whether or not you want to fulfill that purpose. You're well within your rights to say, no, pass, and that's fine. Right up until that it's not. That's fine right up until that God says, well, not my will, but thine. Then it's on you. Because it's real easy to sit back in one's youth, in one's own busy schedule, and discount God, and discount everything that He's laid out in life for you. And then you look around, and when you begin to be in want like the prodigal son, then suddenly you realize what's really important. You know the thing about the prodigal son that, uh, that I, I, I think most often about is the fact that he had a lot of friends when he was getting into stuff that he knew better than to get into. And it takes me back to times when I was a kid and my friends would be drinking or uh, uh, smoking pot or something like that. And they were always ready to share. And I knew that they'd acquired those things at great personal cost. I even said that to one of my friends. I was like, why are you offering that to me? You literally just got done telling me how hard it was to get your hands on it. And you're wanting to share it with me. And I don't want any part of it. And I thought about that a lot, you know. But a lot of times when people are on the road to destruction, they want lots of company. They want to be able to point and say, well, they did it too. And that's all well and good right up until that you understand that the road to hell is paved and wide and broad. It's got a lot of good intentions, a lot of good will, and it's got a lot of people that are walking along it. And that a lot of times we look around and we hear the Word of God, but do we believe it? Do we take it to heart? Because 
Zacharias is getting something very rare that I imagine none of us here have ever experienced. Direct dispensation of the Word of God from His messenger. This is not the angel's words. This is God's words to Zacharias. Notice we'll go on. It says in verse 16, And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And now you think about all the information that the angel of the Lord has imparted to Zacharias right here. And you know where Zacharias is at? He's all the way back at, wait, I'm going to have a son. <laughs> you ever told some? And as a teacher, I, I can tell you this, I'll tell something as an illustration and the students will completely miss the point. Uh, that, that I'll tell them about something and they'll want to center on something else. And I tell them, that's not the point. And I imagine that they'll go home and that if their parents ask them, well, what did you learn at school today? Well, I learned that when Mr. Williamson got in an accident the other day, he was worried he was going to have to get into a fist fight with the other guy. And that, that's all you learned today? Because I actually used that accident to teach them because we're consequently learning about physics and about collisions and things like that. So I used it as a teachable moment. I don't know that they took anything away other than Mr. Williamson thought he was going to have to fist fight some guy. And I think that's kind of the way Zacharias was here. Wait, back up to the I'm going to have a son part. Now all of the details that were given doesn't make them any less true, but Zacharias has a question. But the problem is, is his question is in the form of, you expect me to believe all that? You? Are you serious? You ever, you ever gotten good news and you just can't believe it? And notice what he says here. It says in verse 18, And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? I'm an old man, and my wife, well stricken in years. His, he, guess what he'd been praying for? The angel already said, your prayer has been answered. And he says, that can't be right, man. I, I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm an old guy. My wife is old. Well stricken in years, meaning she's past the childbearing age. How can you expect me to believe this? And a lot of times, you see, when we really interrupt the blessings of God or when we refuse to believe because reality just seems too real rather than the reality that comes through and by the Word of God. And the way that I think about it, any time that I find myself, and if we're all being honest, we've been here before. That we've heard that somebody's got cancer. We've heard that there's a problem. And we said, well, this is too much. I'll ask too much of God. And we'll discount, but we'll go ahead and pray because maybe that's habit. And then God answers our prayer and we're, we're astonished. We don't know what to make of it. Rather than saying, you all need to stand back and watch what my God's going to do. I think about it like uh, Moses and the children of Israel standing there by the Red Sea. And you imagine a crowd that had crowded up. Everybody's right at the edge of the water, but they didn't want to go in. And behind them lay destruction. Before them lay destruction. 
They had the Egyptians behind them. They had drowning ahead of them. And that Moses looked around at them and he told them, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And what this world needs to do because we're all in a big hurry. And what we need to do sometimes is stop and stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. To stop and look around and say, I know that you're my God and beside you there is no other. That what I have and what I can count on, it's not going to last. And in you, Lord, I know that I have my very salvation. Because you know what would have happened had they not listened to Moses when he told them stand still? And I've had to wrangle a crowd of people before. You try wrangling a group of middle schoolers. It's like herding cats, as they say. Now, I had to tell them, usually fire drill's the worst. We go out and we stand right beside Piedmont Road there. And the kids, they think it's playtime. They don't take it seriously. And I'll tell them, line up, be quiet, and be still. Keep your hands to yourselves. Because I don't want them getting out in the road. I've got to do a head count and all these things. Imagine if some of them had said, I'm going to swim for it! And just jumped right out in the Red Sea. And then Moses stretched forth the rod of God. And the waters parted and carried them away. They would have rushed to their own destruction. And that's what people in this world do all day, every day. They rush to their own destruction they look at this word. They hear a, a guy like me getting up and talking loud. And I'm not just talking loud so the people in the back can hear me. I'm talking loud because uh, uh, the power of the Lord is upon me. Uh, and I believe this with every fiber of my being. That this is true. That Zacharias, he looked around and he said, How can this be? And it was in disbelief because you may say, Hang on a second, Brother Jeremiah. Because just a little bit later... Mary, doesn't she do the same thing? No, not exactly. Because when it ends, she says, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord. And she says, How can this be, seeing as I know not a man? What's the mechanism by, whereby that this will be accomplished? And it's the same angel. Because you'll notice Zacharias said, Look, I'm old. My wife is old. And I love how that. The angel of the Lord, whom we've not mentioned by name yet, answers, and it says, And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel. Zechariah said, I am old, and he said, I'm Gabriel. I speak with the word of the Most High God. I've come to you as one of the archangels of the Lord. I've brought you the truth and you can't believe it. That a lot of times, and we may say, but Brother Jeremiah, if an angel came and spoke to me, I would believe it. But would you? Would you? Because do you believe this? This is a recording of an angel speaking the words of God. Because the real truth of the matter is, is that when you hear and believe, Jesus Himself said, Blessed are they which you have not seen and yet believe. And give me just a moment and, and let me take you back in the Old Testament for but a moment to that same group of people that were little kids that walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. They stood still. They saw the salvation of the Lord. Many years later, they're adults with children of their own. They've crossed the Jordan Yet again, they crossed it on dry ground. 
The Jordan was rolled back before him. They come up against a city known as Jericho. And everybody in that city, and, and I've thought about this a lot. I had a person ask me this a while back when, when talking about Jericho and said, God commanded that even the babies be killed in Jericho. How can God do that? Well, He's God. He has the power of life and death. And He pronounced judgment on that city. And the thing is, did you know who was saved in that city? Rahab the harlot and her family. And why she was saved, a lot of people would say, well, it was because she hid those two spies that Joshua sent in. Well, the only reason she hid them, if you remember, she told them, she said, we heard about what your God did to the Egyptians. And we know that God has given this city into your hand. She believed based on what she had heard. Those that hear and believe, they are blessed. And Zacharias, he heard, but he couldn't hardly believe. Now that didn't mean it wasn't going to happen. There was a consequence. And sometimes there is a consequence to your unbelief. Your unwillingness, put your trust in the Lord. Because notice it says, and the angel answering him, verse 19, says, And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. He said, here's what I've come for. And you've thrown out your wet blanket of unbelief. And then he says, and behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed. Because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. You know what uh, Jesus said at one point? He said, a wicked and an adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. Show me. Prove it to me. And the problem is, when that happens, mercy is done. You know, and, and when, when you sit down and read the Bible, hopefully you see the love and the mercy of God. But I can tell you that if a person passes on the love and the mercy of God, there's but only one thing left to them. Or should I say, actually two things. Justice and wrath. That's it. That's all that's left. And do I expect you to believe this? Yes. I expect you to believe it. I expect you to believe that in the later verses, and we don't have time to read them, that when this same Gabriel comes to Mary, a young woman, a spouse to a man by the name of Joseph, a, a virgin, that she indeed did conceive a child of the Holy Spirit. And some would say, well, why is the virgin birth so important? Because man inherited sin from Adam. And that in order for Jesus to be 100% man, but outside the curse of sin, He couldn't be born of the desires of the flesh. It says He was born out of the will of the Holy Spirit. He was 100% man. He was 100% God. And He came into this world and He lived a life completely without sin. Now I'll be perfectly honest with you. I look around and it's difficult for me to say, how in the world did he make it through the teen years without any sin? Because as I've said, I was a pretty good guy, but I, I sinned a plenty then. And I'm still a pretty good guy and I still sin. I still mess up. I still fall short. But the thing is, he surrendered himself to the will of God. Gave himself completely over to it, even as a teenager. 
Even when temptation was there, and believe you me, it was there. Because we actually get to see the pinnacle of His temptation in the Gospel according to Matthew when it says that He's in the wilderness. And Satan comes to Him and tempts Him. You remember? He'd fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. You expect me to believe that, Brother Jeremiah? Yes, I do. I do expect you to believe that. I expect you to believe that He was born of a virgin. I expect you to believe that He lived a life without sin. I expect you to believe uh, uh, that all He ever did was good. I expect you to believe that they killed Him and He did nothing wrong. And I also expect you to believe that He died. He actually died on the cross. He didn't just pass out. He didn't just faint. He didn't swoon as they say. And I expect you to believe that His disciples didn't come and steal His body but that he got up out of that grave under his own power, that he'd shook off sin, he'd shook it all off, and he got up, and he's alive at the right hand of the Father, and he's alive forevermore. I expect you to believe that. In fact, I real bad want you to, with every fiber of my being, because any of those steps, if you can't believe it, it makes it awfully difficult to receive him as a Savior. Because you know what the condemnation of the people of Jericho was? Rahab the harlot said, we've heard. Everybody in Jericho had heard about what had happened to the Egyptians. They'd heard about the Hebrew God, but only she believed it. And just like Abraham, she believed God and was counted unto her as righteousness. She's mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus Christ in the book of Matthew. Rahab the harlot, a Gentile. Another one, Ruth. You remember Ruth? Oh my goodness, what would it be like to be like Ruth? Ruth looks at her mother-in-law and says, please don't ask me to quit. Don't ask me to leave you. I don't want to give up. If you die, they'll find me beside of you. You talk about commitment. That's commitment. She said, your God will be my God. I'm not going back to the junk that's out there. And church, remember that when you're tempted to be led away. When the desires of your heart and your lust tempt you to leave, remember, what am I going to go back to? Lord, to whom shall I go? You see, Zacharias, I'll tell you this, Zacharias, while we may look at him and say, really, Zacharias? You saw the angel. And you're like, ah, this can't happen. But you know what happened at the appointed time when the child was born? And they said, they were, they were debating well, what should we call him? Zacharias, he can't talk. Zacharias got point across and he told him because there wasn't nobody else there to hear what the angel told Zacharias. It says that when he came back out, they were like, what, what happened to him? He couldn't speak. He had to essentially gesture to them and show them, I can't talk. But at the appointed time, he let them know his name is John. And it said that the moment that he was able to convey that to them, that his tongue was loosed and he was able to speak again. And you think he ever doubted God again? Some would say, it seems awful harsh. I say it dealt with any of Zacharias' unbelief. That after that, whenever that, uh, uh, his son John done all these audacious things, he was like, yep. And that's what the angel told me and I believe it. Because I believe God. I trust in Him. That time fails me to really get the point across to you that yes, you're expected to believe this. 
You're expected to believe in the virgin birth. I love how that this is written out because uh, you find that in the first four verses of the Gospel according to Luke in chapter 1 there, it says who he's writing the letter to. And it tell, he tells why. He said, we were eyewitnesses to these things. And then he even gives a time and a place. And as C.S. Lewis had said about this particular set of Scriptures, a man, he said, I'm a man who's well acquainted with myths and fables. He said, but the Bible's not a myth or a fable because it isn't written like a myth or a fable. It doesn't say once upon some hypothetical time or long ago in a galaxy far, far away. It doesn't say that. That it says in verse 5 there, there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, that places in a particular spot at a particular time. It even refers later on about Caesar Augusta. You can trace it back in history. You can pin it down in time. And it's not a fable. It's not a myth. It's the truth. And oh yeah, some people would say, well, what happened to the lost years of Jesus? The only other account we have of Him is when He's 12 years old and His mom and dad forget Him and have to go back for Him. What happened in the intervening years? Well, if God had wanted you to know, He'd have told you. But what we do know is at the appointed time, in the fullness of time, Jesus Christ came into this world. He lived a life without sin. He was born of a virgin. He ministered for about three and a half years. He touched blind eyes. He unstopped deaf ears. He healed lame legs. He preached the gospel to the poor. This same John that we've just heard about, when he's seen him, he said, Behold... The Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. And then what did Jesus do but go to a cross willingly? He could have gotten out of it. But He hung there on the cross. He bled out His blood. He died and raised again on the third day. Yes, it's Christmas, but I can tell you this. Everybody loves Christmas. Everybody doesn't get all excited and in the festive spirit of things at Easter for some reason. I can tell you this, if we'd only had him born, let him not die for our sins, and we'd still be dead in our trespasses and sin. Everybody loves to talk about baby Jesus. They don't like to talk about the broken body of the Christ. And yes, I expect you to believe that he went there willingly. I expect you to believe that he's alive and alive forevermore at the right hand of the Father. I expect you to believe in the Word of God, that this book, it's truth. I would love for somebody else, because I did this a lot when I was in college biology, I would sit down with my biology textbook and I would read it like I believe a lot of skeptics read the Word of God. I read it and I said, now is this necessarily and absolutely true? How can I know this to be absolute fact? And I took nothing at face value. And I told a friend of mine who was a biology professor there at Marshall, after that I'd taken the class, he said, are you still a believer? And I said, I'm more of a believer now than I was before I took this class. And we had a very, I believe, productive conversation about such things. And I told him, I said, I believe that God 
created man in his own image. I believe that he did things just exactly as it's laid out in the book of Genesis and the biology textbook had it laid out the same way. And I posed the question to him. I said, how did Moses know unless the one that did it told him? He didn't do all the tests. He didn't gather all the evidence. He just wrote down what was told to him and what was told to him was the truth. And this book, it's the truth. We are expected to believe it. And we're also expected that when we pray, to expect God to answer your prayers. And to not, to not balk when God sends word. I have heard your prayer. And I have answered it. I have heard from on high. And when you pray, pray like you know that he hears you. Because he does. And I expect you to believe that too. Let's everyone stand and get a song.